This is going to be part one of a two-part podcast series uh, on the business of junior volleyball. And uh, the title of today's podcast is Know Your Customer. And uh, I guess the first thing we want to talk about is kind of how we get to this, how we got to the point that we're at right now. And if you've been following junior volleyball or you follow junior volleyball at all, you might know or might have heard that over the summer, um, virtually all the top clubs in the United States, boys clubs in the United States, decided that they were going to attend the AAU championships in Orlando, Florida in 2022. And they were not going to attend the USA Volleyball Championships. And you know, this is a big deal because boys volleyball in the United States, while it's a small group, is uh, very organized, uh, very competitive, and has been a backbone of uh, you know, junior volleyball for a long time. And what this means is there's, there's probably a good chance, or at least there's a chance, that USA Volleyball will not even have a boys national championship in the summer of 2022 because it's most likely that uh, every or almost every good boys club will be in Orlando, Florida at the end of June. And uh, the timelines are set, so there's really not the ability for them to do both, and I think most don't want to do both anyhow. And so it's, it's a little bit uh, groundbreaking uh, in a way. And I think uh, we want to talk today about how we got to this point. And the boys, the boys movement this summer is just kind of the tip of the spear for everything. And so uh, we want to use that and figure out why they're doing it. And I think part of it is just a, a series of grievances that the boys had that were probably never addressed either at the regional level or at the national level. And, and also sometimes there's, there's a tendency for the regions or the national office to be heavy-handed in a lot of ways. And you forget who your customer is. And that's, I think that's one of the things that we have to look at uh, as club directors. We have to look at that as, as players. Uh, and we have to look at that. Or national organizations need to look at that. And so the focus today is going to be, you know, who's the customer? And then what does the customer get for the service that, uh, that is provided to them? And so I think that's one of the things that we look at. And in general, if, if we look at the customer base uh, here at Sports Performance, we think that the players are our customers. We realize who pays the bills, but we also realize the job we have to do to make sure that the players receive quality training, they have good experiences, they're ready to move on to the next level. We have an environment for them that's competitive and conducive to improvement because down deep, the, the money that parents put out for junior volleyball is for their daughters or their sons to improve. That's, that's pretty much why they're paying money. Uh, there's some other reasons for it, but the primary reason that they play volleyball is to improve their skills. If they just wanted to play for fun, they would do something more recreational. They might just do their high school teams and then, you know, for, you know, 10 weeks a year. But one of the things that you look at is you look at you know what's who's your customer and so we've always felt like the players were our customers because if the players go home every day and they've had a good experience if the players improve and go on and, and do well at the collegiate level or they do well at the international level you know because we've, we've had some olympians uh, we think that's great but we know that no matter who pays the bills we know that the customer are these kids that walk in our gym every day and I think that there's, there's times that the national governing bodies, and there's really three main bodies uh, that run volleyball in the United States. USA Volleyball is the national governing body. Uh, AAU also uh, is uh, it's a multi-sport organization, but they actually run the biggest junior volleyball tournament in the world. Uh, probably this summer they're going to have over 4,000 teams in Orlando. And then there's the Junior Volleyball Association, which is – a quasi uh, club directors association and uh, quasi events business, and uh, that's you know we're going to touch on them later. 
But uh, um, the one thing that I think the national governing bodies is sometimes you forget is that your customer is the club director. And I think a lot of people that, especially membership organizations who have hundreds of thousands of members, don't realize that their base is really the clubs and the club directors. Their base is not the players. Most players in our program or any program don't know, even know the organizations that they belong to. They don't know the affiliation of the tournaments they play in, but they know what club they play for. And the club directors have to make the buying decisions and the purchasing decisions almost always across the board, scheduling all the way through where the money is going to be spent, how the money is going to be spent. Um, And so I think sometimes that these organizations forget who they should be listening to and who they should be directing their attention to. Uh, because you hear a lot of talk about, you know, how many members somebody has and, you know, all the things that they're doing for their members. And really, USA Volleyball or AAU or JVA, they have a small number of members, you know, in the in the low thousands, okay? But here at Sports Performance, we have over a 1,000 players that play in the club. But we would be one club associated with any of those organizations. So if you don't understand who your customer base is and you don't understand how to work with your customers and you don't understand that you're there as an organization to meet the needs of your customers then what happened what's going to happen this summer with the the boys volleyball side of it uh, is going to happen on a regular basis uh, you know every few years as people get frustrated and I think that's one of the things and the thing that you have to understand about running a club the things and I know you club directors know this but one of the things that it's not easy to understand is the dynamic of running a club and you know there's there's a lot of moving parts especially if you have your own facility and you know having your own facility is a luxury and also it's a curse because usually it sits empty you know a lot of hours every day during from Monday through Friday because kids are in school but you're still paying bills you're still paying a mortgage you're still doing a lot of things that way but there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts with running a club, and it, it can be expensive. I mean, you've got to have help, you've got to have you know janitorial, you've got to keep your lights on, you've got you know you've got to buy sport court, you've got to buy equipment. I mean, it's not an easy it's not an easy job, and it's just literally it's a small business, and it's no different than any other small business. And small business owners struggle all the time. I mean, we just saw during this COVID pandemic that you know thousands and thousands and thousands of small businesses went under, they went broke, and so it that's one of the things that that a lot of people don't look at from the other side of the the fence is the dynamics of running a small business. And so if you're a club director, then the thing you have to know is that your number one priority is your customer base, your customer base. You know, you've got to meet your budgets. You've got to keep your customers satisfied. You've got to do everything in your power to make sure that your business, especially in, in a club sport where, you know, there's a club 10 minutes down the street, there's a club 15 minutes up the street. And so you're always competing for customers as well. It's no different than McDonald's versus Burger King or, uh, you know, CVS versus Walgreens. I mean, it's that way across the board. And these, the national organizations, you know, especially USA Volleyball at times, you know, I think they forget the dynamics of where their bread is buttered. And so that's one of the things I think that we have to look at. And, you know, the number one thing is as a club director, you got to pay your bills. you got to pay your bills. you got to generate revenue. And you, you have to do that as, if you're going to meet the needs of your, uh, if, of your customer base. I think what's going to happen uh, and it may not, but, you know, I think what's going to happen is boys volleyball in the United States, it's not a big group. It's, I mean, it's not four or 500,000 members, but it's growing and it's extremely competitive. And I think what's going to happen is the boys clubs, which have very specific goals, ideals, and mandates within their own junior boys community, 
you know, they're going to find out that probably they have the ability to control their own destiny as an organization probably better than outside organizations who just bring them in as part of a much, much bigger organization. And so it would not surprise me at all if in 22 or 23 that the boys' junior community in the United States, you know, pretty much forms their own their own association. You know, they, they, they can insure, they can do background checks, you know, they can develop, you know, they can develop uh, national schedules, they can do a lot of things, they can pick and choose what events they want to play in. But I'm gonna. It looks to me from the size of the, the of the boys' organizations and you know how organized and tight knit they are because they're not too big. They're they're much different than the girls' side, which is monstrous. Um, I think the boys you're gonna see as the boys get more organized, you're gonna see the level of play in boys' volleyball get higher. You're gonna see centralized. Uh, decision making, you know, where people are acting only in the best interest of what's best for junior boys volleyball, and you know that's one of the things I think that's going to make junior boys volleyball better. And and I'm going to go through some areas that that I think will prove that down the road. But I think that's one of the things that you look at. Um, and it's you know I, one of the things I said earlier was how did we get here? And you know over the summer we we do camps all over the country. And over the summer, uh, you know our coaches we talked to two different parents who had kids in girls who had girls playing what you I guess I would call the USA volleyball circuit you know it's a it's a lot of qualifiers it's traveling a lot it's you know it's going to nationals at the end of the year both of these parents said they've paid over twenty thousand dollars last year for club volleyball which is a lot of money I mean how many families in this country can actually afford to spend twenty thousand dollars a year on on club sports the kicker was that one of the girls is this year in sixth grade. She was in fifth grade last year. And another of the girls this year is in eighth grade. She was a 13 last year. And one of the things you have to ask yourself is how the heck did we get here? <laughs> because if, you're, if you run an organization where, you know, you're be- and let's say you're, they're your best kids, but you follow a schedule that causes your customer base to spend $20,000 a year, then you're only going to have the wealthiest customers. You're not, you're not going to have the most talented athletes playing for you over, over a period of time, over the long run. And I think part of it is that just looking at this is that you have to, you have to dig in deeper and say, why is this happening? And it's, 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 not happening, it's not really happening for any nefarious purposes. I mean, the clubs are, the clubs are there's a, there's a group of clubs that are that uh, you know the majority of clubs actually I mean we're not one of them but there's the majority of clubs that you know they follow they play in a bunch of big tournaments you know they they play in national qualifiers and they play in big President's Day tournaments and they're traveling all the time so you think about if you're a parent and you've got to fly four or five times a year and you've got to rent hotel rooms four or five times a year and you've got to get a rental car and you've got to pay for food I mean the money adds up really really quick. And so, in, you know, the kids involved at this level in those clubs, in that system, and, and it's, you know, it's, and there's a lot of people in that system. In that system, you know, they're spending, a, they're spending way more on travel than they are on, on uh, training and competition. And so, you know, and at this age, and you've heard me talk about it before, at this age, training development is by far the most important thing for young athletes. If you want to be a USA national team player, if you want to be an Olympian, it's how good you are in college. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to become an Olympian when you're 14 or 15 or 16 or 17. You know, you can become a highly skilled player, play at a good competitive level, 
you know, and go on and play at a good collegiate level. And then, you know, the, but the key thing is how you develop between ages 18 to 22. And then from there, you know, you'll sign a pro contract and, you know, you'll get looked at by the national team and a lot of it's physical. But, you know, we've turned junior volleyball and I think, you know, I'm going to explain to you why it's happened, but we've turned junior volleyball into this, you know, this chase for, we think we're going to become an Olympic athlete and we think we're going to make national team programs. And there's really zero correlation between any program you plan when you're 15 or 16 and you ever be an Olympian. There's just, there's no, there's, there's zero. It's not 1% or 2%, it's 0%. And so I think that's one of the things that, you know, and a lot of it is the need to drive revenue. I mean, that's really, that's really what it is. It's the need to drive revenue. And the, the biggest problem is, and, and this is primarily uh, a USAV issue because last year the top two teams that played in the finals in the 18 Open at AAU, Muncieana and Sports Performance, which is our club here, they didn't get on a plane all year except when they went to nationals. You know, they played all in the Midwest. I mean, I know our parents last year, you know, we team travel, so they spent probably less than $7,000 or $8,000, okay, total for everything. You know, it was just, we just try to spend a lot less money because we think what we do in our own gym is so much more important. But Muncieana and Sports Performance, had they were undefeated against the 18 Open gold field from the USAV Championships. So the top eight teams at USAV that played in the 18 Open Championship, I think Sports Performance and Muncie were combined 9-0 and against that field. They didn't lose a match. And, you know, it's not that they were better than every team. It's just that, you know, they were as good or better. But... And, and, and I know Muncieana has a similar philosophy. We just don't chase the bids. We don't go to all these tournaments um, and spend all this money when it doesn't correlate back to our players having success. And in, in the other side of it, you play in convention center tournaments on concrete sport court and you get beat up so badly, uh, you know, it's hard to recover, you know. And so, and last year for us here in Illinois, we didn't have a high school season. We didn't leave our gym to play in a tournament till March, yet we end up you know, playing Muncie in the finals at AAUs, and we were 5-0 and against the USAV 18 open field last year. And so, again, and we, we think it's training, and you've heard me talk about that on the other podcast. It's, it's how you train in your own gym. It's not how many tens of thousands of dollars you spend. And this looks like it's a USAV bashing uh, podcast, but it's actually not. And, and, and the, the reason that this system is in place is because USA Volleyball is the national governing body for the sport of volleyball. You know, they're, they're governed by the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, uh, USOPC, and their mandate basically is to win Olympic gold medals. I mean, if you, if you run USA Volleyball, you know that y- your job is to try to win the Olympic Games. That's what you're there for. And, you know, so USA Volleyball, they have to do everything in their power to create revenues that will give their national teams the best opportunity to play and be the best in the world. And I think one of the things that it's different in volleyball, and I'm going to talk to you about volleyball and soccer a little bit later, but, you know, pre-COVID, USA Volleyball's national team, or national budget for the the 20, I think it was 2019 year, was $39 million. They took in $39 million in revenue. Their number one expense was their national teams, okay, which you would expect that. They're flying all over the world. They're training. They're paying the players, you know, all that. But their top two revenue streams, which means the way they brought in money, uh, their top two revenue streams were junior events and junior memberships, okay? That brought in about 45% of all their revenue, 
okay? And they also do about $2 million a year in what they call housing royalties, which if you're a junior volleyball club, you know that's state of play. So, and, and for you guys that don't know what state of play is, or for you guys that do, and, and you know, I can tell you it's, it's extremely unpopular. And what state of play is, is when you go to these events, you, are, you have to pick from certain hotels that you have to stay at, and you've, you're given certain prices, but you're, what happens, every room that you rent, you know, there's a percentage taken out that goes to USA Volleyball. There's probably a percentage taken out that goes to the, the, the host of the event if it's not USA Volleyball directly. But it's basically, it's an add-on. And so instead of you using your points or your miles or your credit card, whatever, to, to try to benefit your club, you know, you're, by playing in these events, you're, you're funding basically uh, USA Volleyball's budget, which again, they're, they're trying to win the Olympics, which that's their mandate. Uh, but they're doing it in a way that they have to use the junior community because they don't have any other way to do it, which to me, that, that side of the equation is why it's always going to be conflict because, you know, it doesn't work that way in other sports. And I'll talk to you about that a little bit later. But, um, and the, one of the big things is, you know, with a $39 million budget, USA Volleyball had, I think, about $6.5 million in sponsorships. And that includes sponsorships that, you know, trade-offs for airline flights and stuff like that. So sponsorships are less than one-third of all their revenue. Let's look at USA Soccer. USA Soccer had $105 million, just under $105 million total revenue, okay? $51 million in sponsorships. So almost half in sponsorship money almost $30 million in national team game revenue. So $80 million out of the 105 came from sponsorships and national team revenue, okay? Youth registration fees, on the other hand, for USA Soccer, under $3 million. So less than 3% of USA's, USA Soccer's revenue came from the youth junior community. So, you know, and with USA Volleyball, they have to. So you're going to all these tournaments. You have these national team development programs. You have these camps that you need to go to. You have all this stuff because it's the only way that they're going to make money. You know? And the saddest part of it is you know, that we all want our Olympic teams to win Olympic gold medals. But they're using the junior community as their pig trough. And you know, we, we're the slop. We, we have to keep putting money in. Because if we don't, you know, they're not going to meet their goals as far as revenue goes. They're, they're always trying. And there's a limited number. The problem is there's a limited amount of kids playing volleyball. So instead of, you know, United Airlines putting in $20 million or somebody else putting in $15 million, you know, you know USA Volleyball's got six total, and that's, that's going to be a lot of trade-offs. So they have very low sponsorship numbers. So all they can do is look at their USAB members and go, how can we get more money out of you? How can we get more money in this way? How can we get more money out of that way? And I think in an indirect way, that's what happened with the situation with the boys. The boys had grievances and needs that weren't met. They had issues within their own region, and they had issues within the national the national volleyball the national office. And also with USA Volleyball, you know, there's a there's there's a direct conflict there because of all the regions. The regions are really every region is basically a junior organization. The regions are supposed to deal with their me- direct members because if you know USA Volleyball, you you can't join USA Volleyball. You just you become a member of a region. So the regions, whether it's I'm here in Illinois, it's Great Lakes region, or it's Heart of America region, or it's SoCal, or wherever it is, virtually all those regions are almost exclusively junior members. 
And so, you know, they really, you know, and the, the dealings that go on within those regions are almost all dealings within the junior volleyball community. But U- USA Volleyball, their master plan is they have to try to derive as much revenue as possible from the junior community. So all these national team development camps over holidays, and you've got stuff in September and October, and you know those are noble, they're noble ventures, you know, but they all cost money. You know, you know, you're not, you're not, get, you're not getting paid to go there. You're paying to go there, and so they're really money making ventures. USA Volleyball would never offer them if they weren't making money on them because they don't have the money to spend to run those kind of programs. And you know, it's, you know, the, the biggest thing is that they, as you look at it from you know from this side point of view is you know the club directors are you know they're the ones who have to you know they should be the ones where that you come to first and say what do you guys need what do we need to do and a lot of times it's just the opposite and you know the the most important thing that i think people miss the point on is you know these people who are running the clubs they write the checks they're the decision makers for their club you know if you've got a club with a thousand kids you know, you know, two or three people are making the decisions where the, that money is going to be spent for those thousand kids. And for us, we want to spend our money as efficiently as possible. We want to spend as little as we have to. Uh, and we want to get as much as we can for every dollar. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's consumerism, it's capitalism, and it's customer service. It's one of the things that we look at. So I think that's one of the things that's really, really important. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is that you, as you think about this, is you know th- there there has to be critical mass at some point. I mean, when parents say they're spending twenty thousand dollars a year, there's always going to be parents that can spend twenty thousand dollars a year, but there's a lot of parents that can't. And I think that's one of the issues that that we have to look at. So, um, but I think the biggest issue is that you know we've we, we have an inefficient model, and you know you can't blame USA Volleyball for for having to work to meet their mandate. And you know the deck that they've been given has you know you know doesn't have a lot of sponsorship money, doesn't have a lot of national team revenue. Uh, but they're trying to take the volleyball community and draw every penny out of the volleyball community that they can, which is what they should do. That's, that's what they should do. That's their, that's, that would have to be their mission. But if you're a club director, and you know I'm a club director, there's a lot of club directors probably going to be listening to this podcast, your absolute number one goal is at your business and to take care of your business. And so y- you have to know that within the context of at least USA Volleyball, while they do want your money and they will do everything to get your money, you know, you are, you are not their priority. You're a need for sure, and you're a priority to make money. But their number one priority is to try to win the Olympic Games, which, again, I'm going to go back to it. I've said it three or four times already, which is what they should be doing. But it's probably why USA Soccer and USA Youth Soccer are separate organizations because the development of young volleyball players, you know, uh, and, and should be, you know, it should be something every kid can play volleyball in this country. There's avenues to play volleyball in this country. I mean, if you go around the world and you tell, you tell people in other countries that you spend twenty thousand dollars, or let's say you're in Europe and you spend twenty thousand euros, to, I mean, nobody will do that. They will laugh at you and they will, they will wonder what, what you're smoking. And you know, it's just, you know, you go anywhere else, and well, we're the only system in the world that puts this kind of money into the sport. And part of it is because the clubs are, are, are single entity businesses, which they have to, you know, they've got to charge fees. But we spend so much money on, uh, you know, the travel uh, uh, events, stuff like that. We spend way more money on that than we do training in our own gym. And so I think that's one of the things that is really important. But um, 
and again, I think I think you're going to find out that you know this move by the boys is going to be something that now they're going to AAUs. A, AAU, the, the AAU organization, we'll talk about it in the next podcast. But you know they're pretty blatantly open. They just want your money. I mean, they you know they don't get in your business. They'll they'll host events. Um, but their big moneymaker is their national championship. And again, they're going to have probably 4,000 teams this year in Orlando, coming year in Orlando. And, you know, if you run AAU events, clubs run AAU events, so you can run an AAU event and the AAU will, you know, take some memberships or maybe take a sanction fee. But primarily, you know, the club's going to be, the club's going to benefit from running an AAU event. And so, but the boys most likely, uh, because, you know, the, we have a, we have a, pretty uh, extensive boys program here and I know some of the other people running boys clubs around the country and the boys are going to find out that they can run their own association and their own organization much more efficiently uh, much more cost effective they can provide better membership service they they can do all that if they focus on uh, their needs because if you look at boys volleyball it's not a revenue sport in college. There's not many scholarships for boys volleyball so you know the division one girls have 12, I think boys have four and a half maybe or four. There's just not a lot of money in boys volleyball. So if, if, if I was exclusively on the boys side of it, I would look at this and go, okay, we have to provide absolutely maximum service for much, much less than the girls pay. We can't look at anything in the girls model that works because the girls, you know, we have millions and millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of scholarships coming every year out of the girls side. The boys have, you know, I don't know, they have a hundred, hundred and some colleges that play volleyball total compared to 2000 for girls. There's not near the scholarship money. So it's crazy to think that you're going to even remotely charge the same kind of fees. And so I think with the boys now looking at what's going to be best for them, you know, their model will be completely different than the girls. If they were smart, and I know they are, uh, if they were smart, you know, they would look at how we can get together uh, efficiently and play the most competitive schedules, maybe maybe some match schedule. Southern California's got a great base. The Midwest has a great base. You know, can there could there be two or three major events a year where all the best teams get together? Uh, could you rotate, uh, you know, could you rotate maybe a national league where you play have some match play? Uh, you stream all your matches so college coaches could watch this. They, can, they don't have to get out and recruit. They can download all the videos so you get your players recruited. I mean, there's a million ways to do things like that. But the biggest thing is the boys are going to need a different model. They need, they need a different model because they don't have the same revenue. And so if we keep thinking that, you know, if girls pay 20, boys will play 15, no. You have to look at something that's going to be completely different. Because if you run a club, if you run a facility, you own a facility, you have to pay your bills. So you'll have to look at, at, at different ways that you revenue stream your own business as well. So uh, I think that's one of the things that, that's going to be interesting going forward. I mean, this move with the boys is it's really interesting from just a business perspective because I think the boys, now that they've got out of USA Volleyball, at least for this year, are going to try to figure out ways to better manage. And I'm going to guess that USA Volleyball is going to come back and the regions are going to come back with other ways to try to bring the boys back into the fold. And, you know, AAU certainly, which is going to benefit big time this year from the boys, are all going there to play together. AAU is going to be fighting to keep the boys. And so you'll see, you know, you'll see how best business practices are handled. But again, to me, it goes back to who's your customer. If you're a club director, your customer, your players. You know, you've got to give the players the best training possible. You've got to give them the best opportunities to improve and play at the highest level. You've got to get them going home every day going, God, I worked really hard, but I had a great experience. You know, um, you know you've got to do that. If you're an association, if you're an organization, and, and you have clubs that work with you, 
you might want to think about the club directors are your customers. You know, how are you going to work with them? How are you going to give them the best service possible? How are you going to look at, at economies of scale where realizing that they've got a lot of bills to pay and, you know, they need to have the ability to be efficient with their own businesses. You know, I think that's one of the key things to look at. So, um, you know, next time uh, on the next podcast, I'm going to discuss the Junior Volleyball Association, which is known as the JVA. Uh, we're going to talk about their founding, their original mission, and how they've lost their way to the point where they really they become competitors with the very people that they claim to be their customers. And I don't know if they've done it on purpose, but they clearly have. And so we're going to we're going to talk about that next time because I think the the boys movement right now in 2021, 22 is almost exactly what the girls went through with the JVA in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010 when the JVA uh, started with some of the best clubs in the country, you know, left USA Volleyball. And we're going to talk, we'll talk next time about, you know, why they left USA Volleyball. That'll be part of the, that'll be part of the podcast. But uh, until then, I hope everybody does well and uh, wishing all you guys the best. I know club season's coming up. Everybody's getting ready to get started if you haven't started already. So I uh, want to wish you all the best and uh, until next time, take care. <laughs>